Welcome to the Monuments and Movements podcast. On today's episode, we're going to discuss America. Is this our darkest moment? Are we ever going to make it through? And what are we going to do to fix it? Let's talk about it. Well, hey, welcome to Monuments and Movements. I'm Justin. This is my man, Kenny. How's it going? Great. How you doing? Doing good. Good. Glad to be here. Cool. Well, today we're going to talk about America. Right. So is this America's darkest hour? That is the loaded question we have tonight. And, uh, you know, I think in discussing this, discussing a lot of things about America and what's been going on, and um, I think there's a lot of reasons why we could we could be led to think that why the, the common person could be led to say yes when asked that question i think one big reason is as we just kind of dive into it here i think one big thing that we have um going on today is there's there's so many voices shouting you know the sky is falling the sky is falling and and um yeah. something we, we kind of talked about before is is one big thing that has really changed in this day and age is is the role of the media. And I think social media and, and a lot of that stuff, but I think you know, one thing is there used to be a time where, where the news was just the news, and I think you kind of phrased it this way, and you're given the news and you can form your own opinion about it. But now you have all these outlets that are telling you how to feel about this certain news, whether it be true or not. Yeah. And um, that mixed with coronavirus and staying locked inside, and then you have um, racism and people pro- protesting and then you have riots popping up and just a, a lot of crazy things and I think that and then people breathing in their own oxygen all the time wearing masks after <laughs> getting, getting to their heads yeah um, so I you know I think we can we can go into and we can we can get a little deep here but um, I don't know I feel like a lot of people especially this generation could could very easily say yes and one take on that, I think, is because, quite frankly, um, this is the most difficult thing a lot of us have ever been through as an American. Like, let's face it, we've lived um, a large portion of our life in, in peace, and every war that's been fought has been fought, like, on other soil. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had to necessarily see or, or feel the fear of being in war or being in wartime, really. Um, I mean, I think the closest that I've personally came to anything like that was was watching 9/11 on TV. I remember that. Um, and that was the most. That was like the craziest thing. I up until now, um, this might be the most challenging time that I think a lot of Americans th- this day and age have faced. Yeah. Which might lead a lot of people to think that this is the most challenging time that America has ever faced. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you you've you've been a lot been through a lot you've seen a lot and uh, you've spoken to a lot of people you're a very wise man what what's your take on what's going on in uh what's my take on what's going on i think if i really had to sum up the source of a lot of the chaos and a lot of the anger and a lot of the confusion and fear i mean right now we're just we're hyped up and we're pumped with fear mm. desperation Anger, uh, you know, you, you name it, right? People are getting sick. Mm-hmm. You got people burning down cities. Right. You got you know, people trying to defund the police. Right. You've got elections coming up. And, you know, I think when you look at those things, you tend to think that those are the issues. But I think you have to step back mm. 
And one of the big issues we're facing right now is COVID. Right. And the effect that it's had on our lives, right? Our lifestyles have totally changed. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I'm, if you know anything about me, I'm always on the go. Right. I leave my house at maybe seven in the morning, every morning. I go to work, I go out, I meet with people or, you know, I hang out with friends or I do stuff, right. you know, go work at the church. And I usually get home around 10 or 11, most nights. Right. Go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always on the go. I've got things to do. I've got people to see, places to be. Mm. And society's, our society is a lot like that. America is like that. We are right. always on the go. Nonstop. We, we got our things. We got our jobs. We've got sports. You know, we've got entertainment. We got all these things that we constantly are plugged into. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when all that is taken away from you? Right. right? When all the noise is removed well obviously not all the noise because you still got you know the news and media sure. and all that stuff but you know this is really a time of, of i think detox wow right i think we're detoxifying right now as a nation i think the quarantine you know being forced to stay home mm -hmm. causes us to have to think about our lives like we normally don't have to right so you know we're, we're being forced to to look at ourselves and deal with who we are mm-hmm have you ever looked in the mirror and it just totally ruined your day? <laughs> or just like upsets you? You just look in the mirror and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously you laugh and probably people who are listening laugh because we know what that's like. <laughs> you know, sometimes you look in the mirror and you're just not so happy with what you see. <laughs> and it puts you in a bad mood. And um, I think America right now, we've just been forced to look in the mirror for yeah. the last four months. Wow having all those distractions taken away from us. Wow. And so, you know, when you ask me what all this, where is all this coming from? Mm -hmm. I think we're just, our identities are detoxing right. right before us, so. Wow. And I think, you know, I want to, I want to get to that, to that question, but I think, you know, leading up to, is this America's darkest hour? And we can, we can dissect that. But I had an interesting conversation with somebody that I, I was gonna, I was gonna throw at you, um, and, and it, it's kind of funny because being the generation that's, I mean, we are so connect, so easily connected to people across the globe. It's crazy how um, how how easy it is that we can we can talk to somebody in the UK or in in uh, South America or wherever. Yeah, how like right like that, just face to face. Right now, even yeah. that people might view this um, in different countries. Like how crazy it is, but I feel like with that being said. Um, our generation right now feels the most disconnected that it's ever been. Uh, I was I was having a conversation with a, a girl that I went to high school with, and she's pretty politically active. And um, you know, I had this moment where months leading up, she'd been posting something that may may suggest that she uh, she had uh, this. I was just assuming that she had this certain political view. Was she liberal or conservative? She's more she's definitely more liberal. Okay. Uh, but but I, I think she might get mad if she were to watch this and I said that um, she she's she told me she doesn't like to get into identity politics. So, um, but oh, maybe she's not liberal. Then. So so a lot of things she was posting, I thought she was going to be be you know rooting for whoever got the uh, the Democratic nominee. Then then this week the um, uh, uh, Biden picked picked his VP, and and then she posted something against that. And then I, I, was, I just messaged her, I was like, hey, I'm super confused. Can I ask you a, just an open question? 
I was like, I, I thought, you know, this might seem super shallow, but I thought based on everything that I've seen you post before, you would have supported this, you know, why, why or why not? And, and she, you know, we just had a discussion about it. And then we just, just started to talk about, wow, even though we both have pretty, pretty uh, uh, different views on things and, and a lot of similar views on things, we were, we were discussing, I was more taken back at the fact that like, wow, there's no platform for a, a, just a civil discourse anymore. Like, that's very true. Like, think about it. If, if, if you, you're going to start a fight if you try to talk to work at work with somebody with this and, and, and all these just different things. But we were talking about like, that that's the only way that our generation can really make progress with, with this, the entire political system, the entire, everything that's, that we're facing right now, all the mess that we have to work together to unite over as America to fix, um, that we have to, we have to be able to talk to each other. But the fact of how few and far in between these moments are where you can reach out to somebody and ask them just blankly, hey, why do you think that? Without starting a fight, without starting a, a cyber war. On. Yeah. And it was a completely cool. She told me some things. I was like, I don't really think of that. But, oh, yeah, I do kind of agree with that or whatever. But, you know, and I guess my question is, how much of this do you see as, as um, you know, potentially, if, if this is, in fact, America's Darkest Hour, or if we do see it as America's Darkest Hour, how much of it do you see going on in the day-to-day -day of, of people not being able to just talk about common or uncommon issues or, or common or uncommon opinions? Um, do, you think it's a, do, you, do, you, do you see what I'm, what I'm seeing, what I'm kind of, do you have those moments, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I would feel very uncomfortable if I went in public and just said, I support Trump, or if I said I support Biden. Right. I think you just feel uncomfortable saying either of those. Now, I would go out and say it. I personally don't have a problem with it. Sure. But, um, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, obviously, what I said before, talking about detoxing. Right. I think we're in that stage of detox, and I think that's made a lot of people on edge. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that, in this time of detox, if we keep on that kind of theme, has happened is I think people are really starting to understand, or they don't understand, but they're starting to feel mm. really what is a lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. right? And that is, I think, one of the biggest things that our generation is starved of is purpose. Wow. Right? Obviously, you know, we're Christians. You know, we, we understand our purposes in God. Mm -hmm. right? We have a purpose. We live for our purpose. You know, our purpose is to love God, to love people, to change the world, right? Mm -hmm. To go and reach out to people, to disciple people, right? And to lead them into life, right? So we have a purpose, right? I have a purpose. I, I have no doubts on my purpose, right? Obviously, you know, I'm, every day I'm learning more about my purpose and trying to stay in my purpose. But in this, especially like in this time, you just have a generation that has no idea what their purpose in life is. Right. One of the reasons I believe is because we've removed ourselves so far from under God. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start to have the godless mindset or the godless philosophy, I think it's a weak philosophy that terrorizes a person's life and it mm -hmm. also terrorizes the culture, which is what we see right now. Wow. Right. And so what happens is we deepen our human nature. We have a desire for purpose. It's something that's put in us. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think most of us have, when we think about what our purpose is, our, our instinct 
is to want to inspire someone or to, to do something of meaning. Mm. Right. So politics, right? I mean, politics is just the example we're using, but that could be any other issue. Politics gives the person an opportunity to feel like, hey, if I say something, if I do something, this could be my cause. Right. right? I don't have anything that my life's about right now. Hey, but this political thing, if I jump on this bandwagon, mm-hmm. you know, I could find purpose in this. Right. That's why you see people getting so passionate is because it becomes a part of their purpose. Right. Obviously, politics are important. You know, who our leaders are is very important. And I think it's very important to be wise about that and to discuss Mm -hmm. that. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it. Uh, You know, our thoughts and our views and all that. But it's not my my purpose. Right. I'm I'm passionate about those things, but my, my purpose is not tied up in what my political beliefs are. When I look at a person, even if they disagree with me politically, I'm not like, oh, this person is beneath me or this person's too far gone because right. you know, they don't believe what I believe about politics or mm-hmm. about our nation. When I look at someone without purpose, I'm like, man, they just, they don't have purpose. Right. And I feel for them, right? And I think, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a man of faith. I think the only way you're ever gonna have that desire for purpose is fulfilled in God. Because God created you and God's the one who gives you purpose. But people do crazy things to feel a sense of purpose, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, you even, you look out right now and all the riots in the streets, people lighting buildings on fires. I mean, as crazy as that is, these people feel like, man, I'm living my purpose. Burning these buildings down, sending this statement. This makes me feel like I'm living something, like I'm a part of something. And I just think, honestly, our generation has never really had a sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. which is why we jump on any bandwagon we can. Sure. And so I really think that's the issue. Right. I think that's why people are so heated because they feel like it's their purpose. So yeah, I feel like that's that's a really important I feel like that's a really important thing. I know I know one thing that I I'm a very purpose driven person. Like I, I feel like I have a good idea of of what my purpose is and, and I'm not necessarily tied to my job or to, to, to sports or or to anything like that. But I do feel like um, and you guys can can tell me if what you think about it I do feel like there's a lot of people our age who their purpose is it's so convoluted or they might not even realize that they have a, a purpose that's bigger than their job you know where yeah. their their whole identity is what kind of rims they have in their car or and I'm not you know knocking any of my my friends necessarily but I think I think yeah, Jesus is a car guy so he's <laughs> Um, and you guys can tell me, you know, maybe, I mean, and, you know, hey, I like, I like shoes. I like, I like sports jerseys and hats and stuff. Yeah, I, I, sure. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with that kind of stuff, but, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, of, you know, just speaking from, from our lane, I guess, a lot of young men that even in, in the church, in, in, uh, that we're around that get their purpose wrapped up in so many different things that it, it honestly is pretty detrimental to who, to who they are. Where, where do you think that started? Like, I mean, maybe I could be off, but I feel like I feel like it's something that kind of gets worse. Like when you look at the generation before us, right? Like the boomers. Mm-hmm. I guess they're our parents, right? Okay, boomer. The, the baby, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, our parents, right? I mean, obviously, I think they they had purpose issues, but I feel like it gets worse and worse as it goes. Right. Right. Why do Why do you think that is? Well, if I look at my parents, like, okay, my, 
my dad is a garbage man. He's driven garbage truck for like 30 years. My mom was a school bus driver for a very long time. So neither one of them had very glamorous jobs. But I remember, my, you know, my dad had a, a sense of pride, you know, not, not like a negative, but like he was, you know, he, he took pride in just being able to, to be a dad, yeah. to be a father. So something he always told us growing up was, you know, hey, my, my one job here is to just be a better dad than my dad was. And that's my only challenge to you guys. And I remember he told us that all the time growing up. And, and, and you know, so I saw him work his, his normal, you know, 10 to 12 hour daily job. And then there was times in our life where he, he worked multiple jobs on top of that to provide for his family. Why? Because I feel like, um, you know, he had a very strong view of, of his purpose, of, of the fact that he felt called by God to, to be a father. And I look at that now and I look at how many of, how many of my friends, when they come over to, to hang out, I mean, you were over what, a month or two ago and you were just sitting like, we were, we were all there and you were sitting and you were talking to my parents. Like, yeah. and, and that's, who, that's who my parents are. And that, that's, you know, they, they are a father and mother to many people. Um, but, you know, I feel like one big thing um, that I, I had to really try to dig myself out of it, and you, you actually, you went and graduated from Cal Poly, so maybe you could speak to this a little bit more, but one big thing I had to dig myself out of is, is I had always had my mindset on my career, on why I took all these, you know, AP classes and, and AP tests and, and tried for the good grades and the extra hours of studying and homework. And when I finally made the decision to not go into any of the four-year universities that I had gotten accepted into, I remember feeling like a part of me was, was so, like my pride was hurt because there was so much pride because they had preached since the moment you got into high school. You got to go to a four-year. You got to go to a four-year. Well, I don't know what I want to do. Pick a major. You got to go to a four-year. And I feel like yeah. so much of that is wrapped up in who you are. And, and I had to really try to dig myself out of that. And I know you actually, like I said, you, you graduated with honors from Cal Poly. And, and how, how much did you have to try to get yourself out of, I am not, Justin Rucker's purpose is not to be an electrical engineer, even though it is, you know, you're very gifted at it. Thanks. <laughs> um, but I think it just comes with experience. You know, for me, I didn't want to go to school after high school. I didn't have a choice, man. Mm. My mom was like, you're going to school or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to say. All right, those are my two options. I'll, I'll try school first. You know, um, obviously I'm glad I did go to school, but it comes with experience, right? Once I went through school, I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to make me a somebody. Mm -hmm. Once I graduated... I mean, graduation was cool. I felt accomplished, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel validated at all. Wow. It wasn't like, it didn't give me that validation I thought it would. Mm. Right. You know, I own a house. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said, man, you know, it must be cool to own a home. Like, you know, you must feel so <laughs> accomplished. And I'll tell you what, man, like I was really depressed when I bought the house. And right after I bought it, right after I got my keys, after my friends came over and, you know, celebrated and like, this is awesome, you know, yeah. like a life moment. The moment they left and the moment I closed the door behind them, it's like, I feel the exact same. Wow. Because right. I, I think, you know, we, we're kind of shown or we're, we're taught, I think society kind of teaches this and especially social media and our perspective is kind of shifted to what's going to make us feel validated. Mm -hmm. 
and it becomes this this addiction where we try to find things that validate us. Right. And it just doesn't work. Right. Right. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who get married. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leading up to the wedding, they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to get married. I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. And the first year of marriage, you know, they're, they got problems, man. Right. <laughs> like serious yeah. problems. And, like, man, marriage isn't what I thought it was. Mm. And I think that's a sobering moment as well is because you understand that no person can fill that need for validation. Wow. Right? No accomplishment is going to fill that need for validation. So true. Right. And so, you know, it's funny. It's like you said, oh, you went to Cal Poly, you know, you graduated, you know, in, in engineering and all this. On paper, it sounds cool, but once you get there, it's, mm. I mean, was it a smart thing to do? Probably. You know, did it help right. me in life? Yeah. You know, if I didn't do that, what else would I have done? I don't know. I probably would have figured something out, but. In terms of validating me and my purpose and my identity, it doesn't do anything for me, man. Right. Like, you know, I don't even have my degree hung up anywhere. I don't even know where my degree... Well, I know where it is. It's in a box in the garage. (laughs) You know, maybe I should hang it up in my office or something, but the reason it's not hung up is because it just doesn't mean anything to me from that regard. Obviously, I'm proud. You know, obviously, you know, it makes me feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. But when you look deep at my identity and my purpose and... What makes me feel valid, like my life means something, mm-hmm. right? Or like, man, what was I put on this earth to do? God probably doesn't do it for me. I've got an awesome job. Job doesn't do it for me. Right. Um, owning a house doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a few pairs of J's. My J's aren't as nice as those. <laughs> you know, but the J's I got, they don't do it for me. You know, um, we're starved for purpose and we're starved for validation. Wow. And you find that the only things that validate you, you know, number one, is God. Mm-hmm. Right? Your God-given purpose and having a relationship with God. And I think something that helps that's further down the list on that is something you're talking about, your parents, right? I think that's part of God's design for parents, specifically for dads, right? You know, speaking as men, is the dad is the one who instills that value in their sons and in their daughters, and uh, I think it was clutch that you started talking about your dad like that. Because I remember growing up, you know, because we grew up together. Right. But we'd spend a lot of time at your house. And your dad would put me in line, man. I remember, like, if we'd go out <laughs> over and visit me and my mom and my sisters and I'd talk back to my mom, your dad would be like, uh, you don't talk to women like that. <laughs> you know, and your dad was, pre- was pretty ripped, you know. I'm like, all right, yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, please don't beat me up. You know, <laughs> and... But I think that sense of validation and purpose, I think, you know, a lot of our generation and, you know, we could obviously do a whole episode on the fatherlessness, yeah. you know, of our generation. But I think that's where a lot of the sense of purpose and v- validation gets cut off mm-hmm. is one where we've removed ourselves from under God. And as a result, you know, one of the things that have come downstream from that decision is how the homes have been affected. Right. And so. Wow. So I think, you know. One thing that's sticking out, obviously, is the lack of purpose. Uh, and, I, and I really feel like um, in a time like this, it's so, it, this year, especially election year, everything going on, it's so much easier to, to give yourself into something that makes you feel validated, like you're talking about. It's so much easier to pick a political side. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to work that, like, that's who you are. Yeah. Like, that candidate, oh, I'm repping them. This this uh, social justice issue, I, this is me. Uh, it's so easy to jump into anything right now. And, and I feel like that is a side effect by what, what you're saying is 
is you, we have been descending slowly but surely into a generation that has less and less of a sense of purpose. And, yeah. and, and I feel like the same hunger is there. Yeah. Like, like the same hunger as people have always had to, to find their purpose is there. But it's the things that we put it into. Mm-hmm. We, we look to these weird substitutes. Right. right. We get addicted to these substitutes. And it's just you need more and more of it to try to satisfy it because the more you jump into it, it's the more you realize there isn't much there. So, so when we phrase this question, is this America's darkest hour? Do you feel like, do you feel like because of, because we're all so, our purpose is so tied to all these, I, I won't say fake things, but all of these, um, you know, and maybe instead of giving like 20% to, to this certain issue or whatever, it's like people, I feel like people are 100% in. Yeah. And, and because you're, people are so heavily invested and even ourselves at times are so heavily invested in these, in these arguments or in these sides, however you want to phrase it, not to just talk about politics, but uh, yeah. talk, about, talk about coronavirus, talk about even jobs or, or the economy or, or you know, whatever. Um, I feel like because people are so invested in it and because things truthfully aren't necessarily as positive as we thought 2020 was going to be, that could lead to a lot of people believing this is the worst year America's ever faced. Yeah. And I, I just don't know, you know, what to necessarily, uh, you know, because to me, I'm, I, I think, look, at, you asked me the question, is this America's darkest hour? And there's, I feel like there's two sides to this. One side is, is like I said earlier, for a lot of us alive today, that have been born within the last 40 years, this is probably the darkest hour that we've faced, if we're honest. Yeah. Um, you know, this is probably next to, like I said, probably meant, you know, watching 9-11 live on television. That was probably one of the most detrimental things that I had experienced in terms of America. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, put it in the whole timeline of America, it's not you can't you can't justifiably say that that this is the worst thing America's ever been through. I mean, think about it. We had a civil war, like you mentioned last time we were talking about this. We had yeah. we had a civil war where literally brothers and fathers were out shooting and and fighting each other over the rights of other killing human each beings. other, killing brutally each other. killing each other. The bloodiest war we've ever fought. Yeah, and, and we've gone through things like that. We've gone through two world wars, where we had to convert all of our manufacturing industries into industries that made parts and pieces and ammunition and, and all these other things that I should have remembered when I learned it in U.S. history class. <laughs> um, we made, you know, we, yeah. we, we, all, we, we all, but that's the thing though, is that that darkest moment is America united. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one side to it. It is like, hey, it, it could be worse, right? I mean, there's, there's places literally every single day on the news catching fire and exploding and wars and and yeah, you saw that explosion in Beirut. It was, I've, and I saw another different camera angle today, and it was, Dude. and like, and here we are complaining about wearing a mask going to the store, <laughs> or whatever argument you want to get into about that. But you know, and he, so here's the other side of that coin: is there is there is an actual part of me that that thinks that there are some arguments that are irreparable, and what I mean is. You know, let's just take, I've been married for almost four years next month. 
and congrats and thank you she let me survive so um shout out to my wife valerie um and you know like you're saying it, it hasn't been easy each year has i've been faced with um more challenges mostly brought on by myself but mm-hmm. um you know the, the truth of the matter is when you've been with somebody for so long i feel like there's part of part of the relationship where if you have a real relationship you start to think i can say anything to this person and that's a very healthy thing but when anger and arguments and, and all these things happen and you you think that you can say whatever you want without fear of suffering consequence for saying that thing that's when there's some damage that even though at the, I. End of the, the night, internet <laughs> ie the internet exactly yeah. where even though you might apologize for that thing or you might the next day come down from being so angry there's still part of what you said that's going to leave a mark on that person Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where we're at on this other side where we've had it so good for so long that we feel that we can truly, and we can speak our mind, but in such a way that's full of hatred to where there is going to be some part of this that is, has residual effect on how we communicate, on how we, sure, there's time for healing and we're going to be the generation, I believe that we're going to be the generation that brings, that, brings everybody together where we can have that, that civil yeah, discourse definitely. like we were talking about. But that... You know, so I do feel like there is a part of that, but the thing that overcomes that is at the end of the day, I feel like we will be united one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, you know, my hope lies in the fact that, like you were saying, we are still a nation founded under God. And, and as long as we keep that central, you know, there, there might be a lot of people that want to do away with that. But as long as we keep that central and we help bridge that gap, um, you I don't see how we can't be united. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. So how, how do you think we bridge that gap? You know, I think one thing, it's easy for, for us to, to sit here and to, to say, well, that person needs to do this and that person needs to stop doing that. And, but I, I think if I look at myself, how, how can I help bridge that gap? I think that, that people in my position you know, believers especially, I think that if, if we can be, uh, if you look at Jesus, um, look what the, the life of Jesus, not Jesus, our, our wonderful tech guy, but also look at his life. <laughs> but if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus Christ, he came and the people that he walked and talked and, 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 and ate with, he, they were sinners. They mm-hmm. were, by the rule of the law, the Jewish law, they were dirty. They were yeah. sinners. They, they were they were prostitutes. They were tax collectors. They were thieves. They were adulterers. They were they were bad people. They were messed up. You don't up want people. to be seen hanging out with them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see with them on the playground <laughs> or at the parties. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and especially being a rabbi, being yeah. a, a holy man, uh, you know, that, that's the thing that caught everybody off guard. Is he, Jesus made enemies with a lot of the holy men who who would throw rocks at those dirty people who literally yeah. would would kill those those people who they thought were unholy. But, but that's what Jesus did is, is he, was, he never compromised on anything he preached about or he believed. But he did also go to where those people were. Mm-hmm. He would go at the, the hottest hour of the day, the story of, of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Yeah. Um, this has been stuck in my, in, my, in my heart for probably this quarantine. Is, you know, in an hour in the Middle East, obviously, it gets to unimaginable temperatures. And... Specifically, the Bible talks about the hour where Jesus met this Samaritan woman, i.e. 
not Jewish women. He, uh, it, it, was, it was high noon, and so it was the hottest it was going to be all day, and nobody was outdoors. But the reason why this woman was outdoors is because she was an adulterer, and that was the only time she could walk about freely, and she went to go get water. Um, but here you are on the scene, and, and here's Jesus. In that moment, he went to where that person was going to be, that person that he, sh- he shouldn't have been talking to, that person that he, being a holy man, shouldn't have been communicating with. And I think if I look at that and I look at my life, and not to say that I'm any holier than the next guy because uh, God knows I'm not, but, but I, I feel like that's what I could do. I don't want to say anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's what I could do is, is come down from my high horse, so to speak, and, and level with people and hear them out. Yeah. And, and not be so, yeah, I, uh, my values are my values and I'm not necessarily going to compromise those, but that doesn't mean that I can't have a conversation with somebody as to why they believe what they believe and why I believe what I believe because that's the only way progress is truly going to be made. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about is this America's darkest hour? Is this America's darkest hour? I would say no. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about this before, but America, we've had way more difficult times. Mm-hmm. We've had way more challenging obstacles to face right. as a nation. And we've overcome much worse right. Right. political divides. Right. I mean, we had a civil war where people, mm-hmm. like you talked about, fathers and sons would brutally murder each other because right. of a civil war, because of a political disagreement. Wow. Right. We've had plagues that are worse than the coronavirus. Right. And we didn't have the technology that we do now. People weren't able to get tested. People didn't have medicine. People just died. Right. Right. So when you look at it historically, no, this isn't our darkest moment as a nation. But is this our darkest moment for our lifetime? And even then, I would probably say no. Mm. Uh, because I feel like just... I mean, I know, I know with the craziness going on, it's easy to get depressed and think this is like a really bad moment. Mm. But I really think that right now, actually, the lights are turning on. Wow. Right. I mean, not to get too preachy, right? Mm. But the Bible says, I mean, right. you know, I'm, I'm sold out for Christ, man. Probably everything I say is going to sound like a sermon. <laughs> and I'm, I'm cool with that, you know, but the Bible says that the light shines in the darkness has never been able to overpower it. Mm. Right. And, you know, like this time, especially of quarantine, I think has really been a time where we've had to freeze. We've had to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Now the lights are turning on. So now we're starting to see things as they are. Right. We're starting to see ourselves as we are. Right. Right. And that's where healing begins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think the stage has clearly been set. You know, there's been so much fear that I think we're just pumped to the brim with fear and hopelessness and depression. I think we've taken about as much as we can. And now the stage is set, you know, for hope to come in, for the light to come in, to just heal our land. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful in this time. I right. know when you look at it on ground level, it looks like chaos. But I think if you look at it from 50,000 feet above, sure. right, it's like when you're driving through L.A. L.A. is crazy on the ground. But when you're <laughs> in a plane, and especially when you see those lights at night as you're flying over L.A., it's a uh-huh. much different perspective. Right. right. And when you step up, Right? And when you look above the surface, mm-hmm. you actually find like, man, you know, this is the time. 
Right. You know, there's never been a moment like this before in our lifetime right. to really step up and to really bring hope and to really, sure. you know, see those things happen and to really do something of purpose, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, what does the answer look like? I think it's like you said, you know, essentially what you said is, you know, Jesus spent time with people. Right. And I think that's what the answer looks like is, you know, you going over to someone, right, meeting someone, and just sharing your life with them and them sharing their life with you, right? And then together, you go serve someone, mm-hmm. right? That's it. That's exactly what Jesus would do all the time. It's like he said, he would go hang out with the people that he was, people right. weren't supposed to hang out with. Right. He'd go hang out with the outcasts. He'd go hang out with the sinners. He'd go share his life with them. And because he shared his life with them, they would share their life with him, right? Back, it became this relationship, and their lives changed, mm-hmm. you know? It's not going to happen through social media. Social media... Even though it's got the word social, it actually disconnects that interaction. Sure. Right. And so, you know, what is the solution? I think turn turn off the Instagram for a bit, turn off the Facebook. Right. Facebook more so. Facebook's super hostile. Instagram's getting there, but mm-hmm. turn off the CNN, turn off Fox News, turn off the news, go outside and talk to your neighbor. Wow. I think if you go hang out with them, you'll realize even if they're liberal and you're conservative or Republican, Democrat, you know, whatever. I think if you actually talk to someone in person, not through the lens of media, you'll find out that you guys don't actually hate each other as much as you're yeah. told you do. Wow. You'll find out you're not as evil as you guys thought each other were. Sure. You know, it's turn off the TV, turn off the iPad. Right. Go out, invite your neighbor over for dinner. Right. Come hang out with me and Kenny. Yeah. Right. Come hang out with us. <laughs> you know, I think that's the answer. And I, and I think you're right. I think... To take a step back and to think that, to have the audacity to think, it's not as bad as I'm supposed, as I've been told that it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever political view you align with. Um, yeah. You know, so obviously but, politics is a big one right now. Right. But it applies to other huge. things as well. Exactly. Wherever, wherever you're at, I think that's always a healthy view. Um, that it's not as bad. It could be worse. That it's not as bad. And, and here's something that I was thinking is, and this is kind of, I'll give you my last thoughts on this as, as an, an analogy, but uh, I'm an eternal optimist, okay? Yeah. With that being said, I'm the worst person to get gifts for. Because, for example, a bunch of my friends got me this Apple Watch for my birthday yeah. last week. Um, and I love it. It's awesome. But I feel like, like, it happens to me all the time when I open gifts, whether it's Christmas or my birthday, I open gifts and people are like watching your face and they're expecting you to get like super happy and super stoked. Yeah. And um, I, I, kind, I, I feel myself that I have to force a smile because I'm like, because being like a, an extreme optimist, I'm thinking like the most, I, I, automa- I don't know why I automatically yeah. go there, like the most crazy gift, like you got me tickets to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what I'm yeah. opening up right now. The Apple Watch with keys to your new... My new Tesla truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, with the and, MacBook in the trunk. And, you know, so for me, yeah. that is a really easy concept to grasp. It's like, hey, it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, you know, it, it could, I, it's easy for me to expect something better. My wife, on the other hand, it, she, she's not necessarily, like, pessimistic, but she would rather be prepared for the worst case scenario. Yeah. And 
when she's faced with things like that, she her mind's already set on like it's gonna be. She told me like when you open presents, just automatically think it's a t-shirt. Just think it's always a t-shirt. <laughs> and and I and that she's like that way. If you get something better than a t-shirt, you're gonna be stoked. Yeah. And I was like, I guess, but if I'm expecting a t-shirt when I open a gift, I'm gonna be like, it's a t-shirt. <laughs> like. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm trying what if to say. Socks. Is, <laughs> depends what's on them. Okay. <laughs> no, but I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of people who, who, a lot of our friends even, their mind just defaults on whatever the most negative thing, I'm mm-hmm. going to focus on that. Yeah. And, and to, to encourage, you know, I have to encourage myself is like, stay focused on the positive state. Like you said, throw my phone to the side of the room, shut off Instagram, shut off everything, mm-hmm. go throw a ball with my dog, you know, go... Yep. Go talk to my neighbor while we both water the lawn. Like, mm-hmm. go go out and, and get away. You know, I don't want to say unplug or, or, but unplug. Yeah, I do want to yeah. say unplug. But don't necessarily fill it with just mindless. Don't just turn on Netflix and let your brain fall out of ears. But, you know, get away from so much things and form your own opinion on what's going on in life. Because I guarantee where I've had to put myself in check, I've I found out that life's not as bad as I'm supposed to think it is. Yeah. True that. The optimist. I'm pretty optimistic too. You are. But I think if we're honest, there's really no point in being anything else. What's the point? <laughs> right? What's the point in being not optimistic? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So yeah, no, I'm hopeful, man. You know, it's like you said, you know, unplug, mm-hmm. hang out with people, get to know them, share your life with them, share. You know, just love them. Love God, love people. That's it. So to put this question to bed, is this America's darkest moment? Uh, my answer would be, who cares? Because the brightest moments are ahead. Come on. Boom. That's good. You hear that, Jesus? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Jesus, the producer, right? Not, no, yeah. Christ, he hears. But. I still call him Jesus, so I haven't... Uh, we haven't got to the place where I call him Jesus yet. I still feel kind of weird about that, but I'm just being optimistic for him. Yeah, that's what that's where he's going, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, this was fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it. All right. So before we go, though, what are you reading? What am I reading? Or what are you gonna read? What am I gonna read? That is a better question. What am I going to read? <laughs> Um, I have been bouncing back and forth through quite a few things. So I really want to read right now. Um, I really want to finish um, Leadership Tactics and Strategies by Jocko Ooh, Willink. By Jocko. I got to finish that one. Leadership Strategies. It's just, I, I always do this with Jocko's stuff, is I pick it up and it's just so deep and it makes me want to just take out a giant note, notepad and reorganize everything that I do in life. Yeah. And, and then it just wears out all my brain fuel and I'm like, okay, I got to put this away for a couple months because I am, yeah. it's draining me. So I have to, I have to really go, go after that. What are you, you're, you're probably in a few things right now. What are you reading? Uh, I just started rereading um, Switch on Your Mind by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Oh, Val loves her. Dude. I read that book a while ago and just reading it again, just freshening up on it. Uh, that's really good. And I started reading this marketing book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Mm. It's pretty cool. Just learning something new. Mm. So, Day trading? Day trading? 
No, uh, maybe I've read a few books on stocks. I think the best one I've read, which I'll recommend to you or to Jesus or whoever's listening, is uh, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. Hmm. It's thick. It's, it's, it's a thick book, and uh, it's, it's a lot more about the long haul rather than day. So if you're looking to do like the day-to-day gains and high mm-hmm. risk, it's probably not the book for you, but mm-hmm. that's probably the best book I've read on the stock market. Word. Word. Well, to all y'all out there in the interwebs, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your ear for a little bit. Yep. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that like button. And uh, make sure you listen to us wherever this stuff. Wherever this is available. Yeah. Send all of your uh, positive comments our way. Send all of your uh, negative comments directly to our filter. Hey, you. Send them to Jesus, yeah. He's a pretty positive guy, he'll, <laughs> he'll change your mind. <laughs> All right, peace.